0: After Hours and kind of a special bit of a bolt-on in the first of our two uh, After Hours specials. On tonight's episode we are going to be looking at Dumplin', and as always I'm your host Edward Jones, and joining me of course is our very own Little Miss Quebec, Kim. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Uh, as I said tonight, we're going to be looking at Dumpling Phone 2018, a coming-of-age comedy directed by Anne Fletcher, um, who's probably best known for giving us the likes of 27 Dresses and Step Up and probably quite a few other movies that I've probably watched, maybe perhaps under gunpoint. But uh, this is her first jaunt into the Netflix original um, with a adaptation of the young adult novel of the same name by Julie Murphy. And starring Jennifer Anderson and and uh, Danielle Macdonald as a mother and daughter who get into a clash, um, and as um, as uh, Jeff Hanson plays this former pageant queen turned pageant organizer, whose daughter um, Willow Dean Dumplin Dixon who's quite nothing like her her mother, both in temperament and form, decides that she's going to uh, get back at her mother by entering a pageant and sending up the whole pageant scene, only to soon find that uh, she's perhaps more into it than she'd like to admit. But Kim, I mean, have you seen Dumplin' before this viewing?
1: No, I wanted to, but I uh, never got around to it. It's one of those situations where Netflix... Spe- Netflix originals are so disp- like so, like accessible that you always put them back and back and back, and then you never get around to them.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. It's not like they're really going anywhere, is it? So you're kind of excited for them to come out, and then a lot of the time you don't actually get round to watching them straight away i mean just this evening as of recording i just start finally started watching the crown you know after like months of people just telling me that i should be watching the crown and the same goes to the queen's gambit which eventually i will get round to and it's a shame really because i love the, the book the queen's gambit by walter sevis and i was so excited to see the film version and for people to tell me it's good as well and yet somehow in my mind because it's a netflix exclusive you just put it right to the back of the pile and so was the case with Dumplin, which I'd heard good things about. And as we've obviously in our season six been looking at female directors of note, it seemed like a good idea to uh, just uh, work, sneak in another couple of uh, directors with our after hours section. And obviously, the first of those being Anne Fletcher, who, as we said already, she's known for producing um, a lot of very easy viewing. Uh, she did. Um, <laughs> she did step up. She did Twisted yeah, dresses. Yeah, things right up my alley. <laughs> yeah, um, she did the proposal, which I think uh-huh. I remember watching, but I can't remember a damn thing about it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and she did the guilt trip, which used to always be on on in, like the TV at office at work. So she can also be credited as being the choreographer for t- both Tank Girl, Casper, and Buffy, which is really surprising her choreography credits are really a lot more interesting than her actual directorial credits. Not to obviously take anything away from her because, I mean, she did uh, choreography for Step Up 2, The Streets. She did... um, Just going for the list now. Titanic, Anastasia, Boogie Nights, A Life Less Ordinary, Flintstones, The Mask. It just sort of goes on and on. Bring it on. Yeah. It's just all these really surprising things a lot of them you wouldn't think that they would need a choreographer but apparently they did like mm-hmm. six feet under i can't really remember a lot of dancing in that series but
1: <laughs> there's a lot there's a lot of different things and you have like um there, there's a lot of little things here that that doesn't seem like in these choreographers really but i i, I mean it's interesting it's an interesting little thing i guess it's choreography as not Really, the moving of things around, different elements or something. I imagine, um,
0: I, because f- I'm looking at these and I think I remember like little dance sequences because yeah. they weren't just like big dance numbers. Yeah, like yeah. obviously, the mask has got um, the uh, the club dance sequence and Buffy yeah. has got uh, once more with feeling, which obviously has lots of singing and dancing. I had no idea where the singing and dancing boogie nights is, but I'm sure it's there. <laughs> The horizontal limbo or something—I don't know—and the the pacifier. Where, where's the dancing in the pacifier? <laughs> I don't. I think there's a musical number in there. Okay, right. Before we obviously <laughs> spend the whole evening uh, questioning Anne Fletcher's credits here, but um, yeah, I mean this is a tale very similar to *Look My Sunshine* in the fact it's a satire or sort of uh, the pageant scene. I don't know if it's something that. You have any interest in the talk, Kim?
1: Well, I mean, considering uh, on your other podcast before we started this one, we had talked about Little Miss Sunshine <laughs> as part of a double feature. Um, yeah, I, I really love Little Miss Sunshine, so this is one of those. Um, I mean, one of those movies that when I started watching it, that was one of the initial thoughts that I had because essentially what it is is it's someone who's unlikely to be in a pageant who's joining a pageant um to fulfill whatever thoughts they have in their mind whether it's to fulfill in this case it's her aunt's you know her aunt's dream and to kind of fight against her mom a little who who doesn't seem to approve of her
0: yeah i mean when it's with uh, the character Willardine, dean i mean obviously she's a larger girl and she, with her mother, mother was always, she always feels she's like too busy with her pageants and that she's constantly judging about her, her weight and is embarrassed, basically, um, by her daughter. In the same way that she's embarrassed by her mother's pageant world, she sees it as a lot of like pomp and ceremony and the whole world being rather fake. So the two have a very sort of clashing view and it's um, her... A lot, a lot of her sort of confidence was strived from her Aunt Lucy who was also a large lady and introduced her to the music of Dolly Parton which is a huge part of her life she's absolutely obsessed with Dolly Parton as his uh, her friend Ellen who um, the two just from childhood into teenhood um, just obsessed completely over Dolly Parton and um, it, it's really that they basically just decide that they're going to enter this pageant, and they're going to make uh, this this statement uh, by forming their revolution against the, uh, the pageant scene by entering it. And along the way, teaming up with um, two other girls, so you've got uh, Hannah, who's a sort of an edgy feminist, and you've got Millie, who's kind of very similar to uh, Willa Dean in the fact that she's also a large girl, but she's got this... Um, naivety to her where she's just constantly happy. She never lets anything get her down yet. Um, And she also um, joins in on this plan to sort of like uh, make this huge statement by entering the pageant and being like the complete opposite of what many people would think, you know, a pageant girl is. So, if you like Dolly Parton, you're in luck because there's a lot of Dolly Parton on this soundtrack.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm not a really big Dolly Parton fan, as in like, I'm not I've, I've, I always know that I've heard her music, yeah. and I like it when I listen to it. So for this one, I really thought it had that feel-good element, especially since most of the soundtrack is really revolving around her music to fit every single situation that she's going through, whether she's listening to it on the radio or talking to her friend or, or whatever. It really does add quite a bit because, you know, you, you add on to that kind of uh, I mean, Dolly Parton is, in, in. I think, in, I don't know it very well, so I could be wrong, but my impression of Dolly Parton is a lady who's very, very confident about herself. The, you know, she doesn't have these uh, these ideas of being, you know, of judging other people or, or being judged or whatever for, you know, she's kind of like this flamboyant little lady type of thing. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's really what it is, is... Um, When her Aunt Lucy introduced her to Dolly Parton, it was more of kind of introducing this kind of positiveness about not being scared about how other people view you and being confident. And it's these kind of little thoughts that I think she goes through and she kind of maybe loses a little when when her aunt passes away over this year that she's passed away. She's really trying to... I don't even know if it's a year. I think it's maybe a few months or something. It's about
0: six months. Yeah,
1: six months, right? And they were talking, uh, and, and you start seeing that she's starting to kind of doubt herself a little because without this constant Aunt Lucy figure who's giving her all this confidence that she usually would have about not caring about everything around and kind of just being in that little world, now she has to face this world on her own. And when, you know, she has a little she decides to do this revolution and she has this different views with her her best friend ellen and she's left alone in in a lot of ways it's kind of a bit like edge of 17 when we talked about it how when you break out of something you kind of team up with other people and you kind of start seeing the world and discovering different things and i think it's kind of like she loses herself and she kind of finds it back a little by the end
0: I definitely saw the uh, Edge of Seventeen comparison throughout this film. And in many ways it felt felt like um, the film did the same sort of mistake with Edge of Seventeen where we have like the best friend and then we fall out with the best friend. And certainly with this one it felt, especially the fact that because you know, you've got the best friend who fits more into like the traditional pageant mode, to suddenly like whip her away because she like fits in with the the popular girls. This felt the same in Age of 17. We got we take away the best friend and it felt like, no, why are we taking away the best friend? This is sort of like such an anchor of what the film's based around, like this friendship of these two girls and we're taking it away for just a minor argument. And it, it frustrates me the same way that it frustrates me in Age of 17, but in the same way you kind of know that you have to have that division for the film to sort of progress, to give us conflicts and...
1: It was necessary because in this one, rather than even the other one, it was in, in like Edge of Seventeen comparison. This one it was even more needed because of the fact that her best friend is is you know a pretty girl. She's kind of like like as in her mind, she believes she's the type of girl who doesn't understand this revolution because she's one of those girls who 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 is pretty and fits into the pageant appearance. I guess. Yeah. I don't know how to say that. And when she teams up with these other two girls, who's Millie and Hannah, they're both outsiders. And you can see it from their appearance of, of of just her exploring this new world where Millie kind of teaches her a little about not really caring. Her only worry is how her mother cares about, you know, protecting her when she doesn't want to be protected. She She just wants to do what, you know, makes her happy. Whereas, you know... Hannah is kind of a mystery because you don't really know why she's there, why she even signed up in the first place. But she ends up having this this uh, feeling of just where she she's there because she's fighting the concept of patriarchy or something like that. I, I can't remember what it is. Yeah, I she mean... Has, she has some big revolution. and. But, I mean, I'm a little bit blinded because I really, really love the actress who plays... Um, I shouldn't say actress, I guess, because she's supposed to be non-binary. Um, but yeah, I really like Bex Taylor-Klaus as, an as, as like, just in all her performances she's done before. I've seen her in TV series before and stuff like that. And she always plays this kind of, like, same appearance. Appearance-wise, it doesn't change too much. And, the, and that sort of personality doesn't change too much. But she has this really cool attitude. It reminds me a little bit like Ruby Rose, where I like her for the way that I think is it Ruby Rose? I forgot. Is that her
0: name? Yeah. I think there's one that she talked about.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, Ruby Rose. And, and it, it's just kind of like this really cool attitude where she, she's doing this, it like this character of Hannah is doing this where she's also trying to break out of something. But in the end, I think what she finds out of this is really their friendship. I think like what she gets out of it is she's, she starts. She her personality changes a little um, as she interacts with these girls.
0: Yeah, definitely. So I think the interesting angle that the film actually takes is the fact that these four girls, they enter into the pageant, scene thinking that it's, you know it's going to be like mean girls who are going to be like us versus the pretty popular girls. No one's going to be really bitchy and and whatnot. And instead, what the film presents is that the pageant girls aren't at all bitchy at all. They're very welcoming to these these girls um, entering they're slightly confused as to why they're there and to what their, their their goals is but ultimately they find you know this joy in competing and this this shared experience that uh that they have together and as i said they each have their the way and so as you said with hannah i mean she's there to make this big sort of feminist statement. And she sees herself as like basically that this group, the Spartacus, and the pageants, like the Roman Empire, they're going to take it on. She's kind of very much portrayed from the start as being like the loose cannon of the group. She's so you never sure which way that uh, they're going to go. But as it obviously goes on and they realise that uh, they've got to sort of pull it together. And in particular, they team up with a group of drag queens who perform a Dolly Parton drag show. Um, at a bar that uh, Aunt Lucy used to hang out at um, That it all magically comes together for the uh, for the big finale, which I think the film was kind of losing me in the lead-up to the actual pageant scene and once we get into the actual pageant itself That it sort of really was that was when the film sort of really grabbed me and it all came together because it felt a very sort of like a little hit and miss up until that point for myself it has a lot of some interesting ideas and certainly a lot of these characters are very fun to be around um such as um such as Millie who's just every time she's on the screen is just delightful and to see her like really sort of like come out of a show and just be like this absolute pull out this amazing sort of diva performance and sort of stand up to her sort of church-going mother i thought it was just uh her journey was really interesting as well even though it's a lot more subtle than the other girls are in this but yeah Yeah, i
1: mean yeah i mean for sure there's a lot to like about these girls and in particular um mostly i mean they have this kind of element of i think they just all kind of mesh really well together in personality and just how how they're they're shown right i mean by the end i really love that moment in the pageant where it was just the opening act and then hannah goes as she's walking by and just she twirls her twirls millie around (laughs) i thought that was so nice it was such a nice touch to that whole scene um well just being able to break out of their norm of of you know this this pageant who's so strict on all the rules and having everything prepared and advanced and all that sort of thing and then they're just and then and then they get this moment and it's really really touching to watch um I don't have the same issues I guess with the beginning I think the beginning is really a lot of setup just for everything to happen I don't know I guess it's because in some ways I mean I was never a Big girl, but in kind of like the Chinese kind of mentality, I I can kind of relate because I am considered big for a Chinese girl, especially when I was um especially in my teenage years.
0: Right?
1: Yeah. So. Right.
0: Wow.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I had a lot of I had a lot of judgment from family, and yeah. I had a lot of judgment from you know uh, not from friends so much because my friends were not like popular kids or anything. We all kind of didn't see that part as much um but you know with all that there's always this kind of self-confidence thing so I guess in some ways I kind of connected to some of these characters uh in the sense that you sometimes feel like you don't fit in and a lot of it is I think how you think about yourself and that's one of the main points of the story that I really really like especially when you know we're talking about you know she's she has this boy who likes her and um, and it, 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 it's the is this I don't know cook,
0: Bo. <laughs> yeah, she's Whatever, uh... at the
1: at, at Harpies this this uh, <laughs> I don't know this diner, and Bo is this I don't know he's not very frequent there, but he has this scene where he makes a really good point. Um, after she kind of like kisses him and then runs away because you know she's self conscious about herself. Um. And then she confronts him and then she's like, and then he's like, oh, I like you. And then she's like, but why? You know, and then he's like, he tells her about how he thinks she's beautiful. And then, and then he makes the point of, you know, but it's not important what I think. And that's a really good point. I think that's really important is that whenever it's not someone else's, I think that's the point of the whole movie is it's not how someone else sees you, but finding yourself. And of course, that's the essence of a coming of age movie, right? In the end.
0: Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the love angle with Bo, it's a little left field. It doesn't quite, perhaps, work. But, I mean, he does obviously make a convincing argument for why he is interested in her because he's a man of exceptional taste. And, yeah, as I said, he's just the sort of, like, he's the good-looking fry cook. And you you wonder why he's he's in, he's, um... When, it, when he goes on, initially, he takes uh, Willard in on this date to... Go and uh, do stargazing in the back of his pickup. It's it's that it's that part part of the world where you go and take your take your the pickup. Um, and and I still can't get over the fact he's called Bow. It's just so country for myself. Well,
1: this is a country. I know it's movie. a country thing, but <laughs> just the fact he's called Bow. <laughs> it's full of southern accents
0: <laughs> i know it, it just it's just um a little too much like um it just brings to mind too much of cam and modern family and uh, his his part of the world so th- and every time he's like going about bow it just made me think of modern family a lot but yeah uh, he's obviously played by luke benwood he's i don't know it it's he's not traditionally good looking but apparently we're told that he is good looking i'd as I said, I'm not the target audience of this movie, so I can't say whether he so sort of works as a love interest or not. <laughs> wasn't doing I anything I for mean, myself, so I don't know about uh, yourself, Kim. But
1: I mean, I don't, I don't really think like he's not my cup of tea personally. But I can see, like you know, he. It's not. I don't. I don't really think it matters <laughs> in that sense that who 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 plays this type type of person, right? But he's considered to be. Um, good looking. I guess he has a bit of charm to him. I don't know, but um... I mean, I, I, I don't. I don't really. You know.
0: <laughs> I suppose it depends on like how how much uh, seven I mean... <laughs> fry cooks do it for you.
1: Yeah, pretty much. But either way, I, I, the, the the point is, I, I, don't, I don't. The point is, he's in the movie really little, so it doesn't really matter what he looks like. <laughs> he's his point there is is that it is really the point of kind of how she faces herself at the end. Yeah. I think that that's that's the point of his character. So in reality, his character is more of a convenience. um, Meant to be there for a purpose. I don't know. But uh, he doesn't really have any actual... I don't know. He's kind of a really one-dimensional character. He's really there for one purpose and then that's it. We know nothing about this character.
0: Um, someone I want to really talk about in this movie and they're just an absolute revelation, the performances, and that's Jennifer Anson. When I think of Jennifer Ranson and you think of how far she's come from obviously being on Friends and just the actual interesting career that she's had, and as she goes she goes um as matured as an actress, to put it nicely, she's only becoming more interesting for myself. She's always had interesting roles. I mean, she was obviously in things such as like Office Space and I want to say Birthday Girl. Well, she's always had like these interesting roles in doing indie movies, and at the same time, she's had like mainstream roles because she was always like the most popular one out of the Friends cast. So it was always a case that we knew she was going on to do interesting things. I was just always in. It's just the fact that she's obviously got older is that she's only become more interesting as an actress, and certainly here, she's absolutely fantastic. I did. I was completely uh, blown away by her performance here. I thought it was really great. Um, her playing the role of this obviously this former pageant queen, who's in many ways fighting for these ideals that she believes in, and at the same time trying to invoke this confidence in in her daughter. I, as I said, I it, it was just really it's just a really fantastic performance from her throughout. So
1: I agree. I mean, her character itself was pretty decent. In reality, I mean, she's not... I think in in, in reality, um, the the uh, the daughter, uh, Will, Willow, Dean. Will- Willow yes. She really just saw... She felt like her mother was judging her and that sort of thing. But in reality, if you looked at the movie and how it was portrayed, it wasn't like... It wasn't like uh, the mom character, Rosie, was really not willing, like, to show her to her friends or or to the people that she knew or that sort of thing. In her mind, she's just less considerate in that sense. You know, obviously, to her, it's a sign, maybe it's a sign of affection or whatnot that she calls her a dumpling. And she doesn't think about it out of habit, and it kind of embarrasses her. But then, I mean, if you think about it, a lot of our parents embarrass us anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not in that way, but... uh... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, she,
0: I mean, as I said, she has she obviously calls her Dumplings this this term of affection, uh, yeah. but obviously because of her being a being a larger girl, she sees it um, as a mother having to dig at her about her, her weight, and I think, it's, as yeah. I said, it's just this, it's just this it, misunderstanding. Yeah, and it's just fantastic the fact that you have these two people who are both coming from opposite ends of like their feelings on what what. Um, pageants are and yet they okay. somehow meet in the middle just through through pageants They neither one has to like admit they're wrong which is what normally happens in these cases they both like see see the other person's point point just, and it's as I it say it's through through uh, pageants and I think in, when we think of obviously pageants we look at how they're obviously portrayed um, in other forms of media it's always like this very sort of tacky sort of affair and you know Young girls being gussied up and uh, whatnot, but here, I mean, as I said, it's just seen as this, you know, this small town thing where for uh, these girls they get dressed up in fancy dresses and um, and and look pretty and perform talents and and things. it's not seen as like a, a negative thing. It's just, just this small town uh, t- tradition that uh, her mother's obviously very heavily involved in. So it did make me wonder what what. Uh, what skill I would bring for like the talent portion of a of a of a pageant?
1: <laughs> Did you finally figure it no, out? No, <laughs> I haven't. I
0: have a clue. I mean, all my my skills, nobody really wants to see me. eat. I mean, it's more like eating, sleeping. It's like these aren't things people need need to pay to see me do. So, <laughs> what would you bring to the your pageant performance, camp Because you can, you obviously got many skills. I mean, you can you know sing and playing an instruments and things. So.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I I won't say that I'm excelled at any of those things, you know. I, I, I can pass by and yeah. I've done performances of both of those things, but nothing like on competition level, you know. <laughs> so maybe, I mean, if, if, if I was ever in that situation, I probably, it were, probably would be singing because I, mean, okay. I don't, I, I wouldn't think piano would be my... My forte, unless it's playing like a classical piece or something.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> any sort of yeah. go-to songs? Or?
1: They would be like Chinese songs That's mostly. Harsh. I I think mostly Chinese music. I have some English songs, maybe yeah. like some Celine Dion. Um, I don't
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> a Canadian singing Celine Dion? Who'd have thought? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, no.
1: I I like other stuff, but I can't I can't think of it off the top of my head. I've been listening to a lot of Chinese music lately, so yes. I can't. I can't remember
0: right now. You're still responsible for getting that damn cat song stuck in my head for months on end. <coughs>
1: that cat song? Yeah,
0: the one that goes, uh, meow, 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 meow.
1: Oh, yeah, that. <laughs> I, I kind of
0: know the rest of the words because it's all in Chinese, but, or Mandarin or Cantonese. Yeah, Mandarin. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was, uh, it's always such a crap shoot whenever I say, like, oh, is it Mandarin? And I'm yeah. just, like, so sort of easy it out there. <laughs> Um, but yeah, as I said, I thought, as I say, it was just kind of refreshing to see there wasn't lots of like, oh, we're going to have like the mean girl situations with like the yeah. the pretty popular girls and we're not going to see the pageants as being this trashy thing. I thought it was very sort of interesting thing. I mean, the fact that they crammed so much Dolly Parton in the soundtrack, I mean, she was heavily involved in the soundtrack was really great. And I mean, yes, it's not a, a bunch of deep cuts in the Dolly. Discography that you're going to have here—it's all very much the hits that we we'll go with. So mm-hmm. it's sort of like when they do like their pop quiz yeah. questions to each other. So sort of like, wow, that was this is as the Dolly Parton superfans, you're going to throw a nine to five question out there um but i gave it a pass because you know i like nine to five i think it's a great song so
1: yeah me too that's probably one of my favorites of dolly parton (laughs) i started Um, playing and i i don't even know the name of the song most of the time but i've heard it so many times like this is the one that really i probably listened to the most um in the past like uh, i don't know on the radio or whatever yeah um yeah i mean the movie is surprisingly feel good. I know that it's categorized as like a coming of age comedy, right? I didn't really feel the comedy so much as the feel good element. Like I don't know if I laughed a lot, but I feel like I had a lot of fun.
0: I laughed so. um, <laughs> during the training montage where she's, le- she's, um, she's doing, learning magic, how to perfect her like magic performance <laughs> with. Uh, that's
1: why you don't. Get, that's why we don't get good things.
0: Well, yeah, with Jinji Minji. I was like, just when he says the line, he's like, this is why we can't have nice things. I just laughed so hard at that. And I don't I know why.
1: would, because that's something that you say all the time.
0: This is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> um, and in particular, I think because Jin Minji reminds me of Bunny Glore, who I've been watching, um, present a bunch of really bad movies on Showtime over here in the UK. So, um... Like Wild Women, the Wongo. I still going to watch that when we finish this, so <laughs> that'd be a treat. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's this film. I can't see myself like it entering into like heavy rotation for myself. I don't think it's really sort of um, won won me over to that extent. But at the same time, it was it wasn't a bad experience. Um, certainly, coming off the reef, it, it was even better. So. But um, how did you sort of ultimately find it then? Kim?
1: I mean, I, I had a lot of fun with it. It's, it's my type of movie. I don't think it'll be like as in frequent rotation as movies, other movies I like that, yeah. you know, like, that I have on, on background. But I, what really does help a movie is its soundtrack. And for this one, the reason to rewatch it is really the feel good element. Um, and and the Dolly Parton soundtrack, like I don't have to deliberately look for Dolly Parton <laughs> and then still listen to her music. Um,
0: I was sure Dolly Parton put a cameo in this because I was when we have the the drag queens uh, on the stage. I was sure that one of them was Dolly Parton, but it, it's not. <laughs> it's actually not. It's just someone who just looks really like Dolly Parton. Yeah. Um, but as Dolly Parton says, and as it's quoted in the film, "If I wasn't a woman, I would have been born a drag queen." Um, in one of her many great quotes including my of personal favourite it takes a lot of money to look this cheap so if you want a really good deep dive though just look up Dolly Parton on Wikipedia and just like her, her whole career and life choices and feminism and philanthropy and it's just absolutely fascinating It's there's so much depth yeah. to that, that woman you think she's just old, oh, she's just this country legend but there's like so much more there that you don't even like realise So.
1: Yeah, but that's that. But that's the thing. I think that that's why using her as a focal point to rotate to revolve this movie around kind of her music and her philosophies and the things that she believes in mm. to instill kind of confidence into these girls. It's it. It all kind of celebrates this kind of, I guess, individualism uh, that sort of idea of uh, of just having your own character and being proud of who you are and confident in who you are, no matter what you look like or or you know whatever whatever way you choose i guess
0: and yeah um, yeah definitely because i mean I well, think in, in the
1: end it's, it's, it's a really positive type of message and i think that that's one of the best things about dumpling that i really like is as the world is really crazy right now uh, i feel like feel good movies like this is really worth it because you know the world um, probably judging from the (laughs) u.s elections (laughs) results the world the 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 america has never been so divided (laughs) as in the last i don't know two ten years or whatever but i don't want to get political here so it's really nice to see movies like this come out which instills this kind of positive message during you know both our COVID 19 times of craziness when we're stuck at home and in lockdowns and um you know high high alert high stress levels um at the same time as you know whatever else is going on in whatever country you're in or mm. or that sort of thing and movies like this i think really achieves that purpose of really you know entertainment and feel good um i mean for me at least i i had a really great time i always like I, it it actually surprised me how much i liked it considering it was about beauty pageants <laughs>
0: Yeah, I was I was definitely surprised. As I said already just the anger it took. because I thought, with when it, when you say beauty pageants, it is, as I said, it's going to go go the one way. But even by the end of the when we get into the end of the beauty pageant sort of sequence, and these girls have sort of fully embraced the the process, they haven't exactly changed themselves which is what you expect. You expect them to obviously have like, changed and conformed. But no, they're just themselves. They're just, as I said, their pageant form. So even when we look at our, uh, our tough feminist chick, she's might not be wearing a dress, but at the same time she's doing her form of pageant. Um, and as she says, it's sort of like, a, who knew that uh, pageantry was such a fun team sport? And I think that's what it becomes more about at the end. It's just these girls yeah. coming together, having fun, and... Just enjoying the pageant experience, whatever it may bring, and I mean, yes, I don't. As I said, I'm not going to actually ruin the ending now. I was going to say something more about the ending, but I'm not going to ruin the ending of of uh, the film and say about who wins and and whatnot because I think that's for other people to to enjoy. Some.
1: Yeah, but I think I think another another thing that I really like about the movie, as a final final thought on it, is is really girls being in peace with each other. I know you made a point before about, you know, mean girls and stuff like that. Yeah. But I think that that's a thing, is a lot of movies show this separation, how women are, you know, just not very team players type of thing, you know? Like something happens and you have cat fights and you have whatever type of, um, you know, jealousy or, yeah. or, or, or girls against girls. But in reality, in a world where it should be something that should be promoted is yeah i mean even in real life it happens is you know women are very tough on women (laughs) um and it shouldn't be like that there should be this kind of unitedness um i mean i've always said that you know i'm not completely feminist so i don't have a lot of these different but i do believe that in a world where especially because i work in an office full of ladies um I really believe that women should be nice to, nice to other women, um, like work together as a team instead of, you know, pushing each other down or stepping on each other to, to get the higher points. I mean, pageants is just the first step. And I mean, we have seen other pageant movies in the past, you know, Miss Congeniality or something, which is really about, you know, bringing everyone together, <laughs> but I mean... I don't know, I really I just I just really think Dumpling is a really good movie. It's it it shares a really a lot of very positive messages, whether it's about individualism, feminism, all the points we've talked about before. Um, so yeah, I mean really, really good movie.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um just so if I would touch upon your point, I mean I was very surprised when we had introduced like the obvious pageant, you know, Queen Bee. Uh, the blonde girl whose name sort of alludes to me at the minute. I was sort of fully expecting her to be just like this real bitchy character, but she's not. She's really uh, not at all. And I think everyone sort of you see it from like that opening sort of dance practice, um, just how sort of like welcoming everyone sort of is to these girls, even though they're not too sure of their actual motives of being there. Um, I think out of all of them, it's Dumbledore's mom who's obviously the most suspicious of why. Her daughter's involved, let alone her friends. So, and I just I just like the fact this was that she just never dissuades her daughter from doing. it and She just always says it, it's all sort of like, you know, if you're gonna do this, you're gonna be prepared because this is tough. It's not as easy as you think it's gonna be. And she just takes mm-hmm. this constant professional stance. And even at the end, it's sort of like she wants to give her daughter a pass, and like her daughter's like, no, we're you we're gonna do this by the pageant rules. Um, you're not gonna have to change your position just because you're my mother so um yeah it was it was really i was really invested in the film by the end so but um the lead-up to it was a little rocky for myself but um it sort of pulls it all together by the end so but yeah as a as a throw for away piece of viewing i thought it was very enjoyable indeed so uh should we do further viewing sure okay for viewing um what would you pair with this if anything
1: well, I mean, you mentioned it right at the beginning. Um, definitely Little Miss Sunshine is a really great one to pair it with. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, other than that, I mean, uh, this director we had talked about before, but she was also assistant choreographer on Hairspray, which I also think is a really great one to pair with this. Are we talking about the John Waters um, or the remake, though? The remake, the 20, 2007 one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I really like that one, so um, okay. it's my, one of my personal feel-good favorites as well. Uh, I also mentioned uh, Miss Congeniality, which is not really the same angle, but it's an interesting one. I, I don't know. I haven't watched Miss Congeniality in a really long time, but I really like Sandra Bullock, so <laughs> I think that's a good one to throw in there. Um, but other than that, I mean, Netflix originals da- has been working a lot on these kind of, um, I don't know, girls that are unique i don't know uh how do you call it um and uh i mean another one that i didn't really like so much uh as much as some of the other netflix originals about coming of age and that but uh it's a good one to kind of pair with this one and that would be sierra burgess is a loser okay which which is about a a girl who um who kind of like who likes this really popular guy And, um, she ends up asking a pretty girl to, to catfish. (laughs) 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 Where she is talking to him on messages, but she, her, this, the, the pretty cheerleader girl or something is the one who goes and sees him, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah. So it's, it's an interesting little plot about, you know, I guess facing yourself, I guess having confidence to show you yourself as who you are type of thing.
0: Great. Um, For myself, another sort of send-up of the pageant scene would be Drop Dead Gorgeous. It's a mockumentary about um, again, a small-town pageant uh, featuring the likes of Denise Richards and Kirsten Dunst. It's a really just a really fun black comedy Um, and just as I said it's just a really fun send-up of the whole pageant scenes and just really sort of plays everything uh, completely for laughs it's not as I said it's not um, got such a touching sort of view on the pageantry scene it deserves that uh, it plays above all its wonderful quirks uh, just for maximum laughs, re- really uh, the other one I want to sort of pair it's nothing to really do with pageants but um, even though pageants do feature in it and that would be whip it from 2009 uh, featuring Elaine page Ellen page um about a pageant girl who uh, discovers the world of Roller Debbie and in turn learns more about herself as she joins her local Roller Debbie league um, based down in Austin, much like this film, so and yeah those would be my two, I mean you obviously mentioned Little Miss Sunshine, Little Miss Sunshine I think it's sort of like a really good film to sort of pair with this or anything I think, <laughs> I love Little Miss Sunshine, I mean no matter how we, I mean, when we watched it in our very first Hangout that we did um, together, I want to say. First or second? Uh, second. Second. Uh, we did this and we did Nick and Nora's uh, Infinite Playlist. So, again, it, it goes with many things. But uh, Little Miss Sunshine is... It only has, you know, that, uh, the It, it play, obviously you've got the, the younger girl who's sort of like a little more sort of odd sort of entrance into uh, into the pageant scene, but it also has, like, you know, the family discovering themselves through the pageant scene as well. Um, in particular, it gives... Um, Steve Carell has that big speech about Prowse at the end, which is just, like, one of my great life lessons in life. Whenever I'm feeling a little blue, just to look back at that and realise, you know, <laughs> things are pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, but... um. Yeah, those are mine. I mean, there obviously other Netflix exclusives on there, which I suppose you could put in with this, such as, like, Tall Girl, mm. which I've yet to watch, but everyone keeps wanting me to watch it now that I've seen Dumplins. Yeah,
1: so. tall, girl, tall Girl kind of matches it as well. Um, I personally... Like, my issue with Tall Girl was the same that I had with Sierra Burgess is a Loser. So, both of them are movies that I haven't gone back to rewatch. but, um, I mean, I personally prefer Sierra Purchase, and (laughs) I had to go back. Um, Tall Girl, I didn't really like too much. Okay. Yeah.
0: Cool. Um... Well, that was the end of tonight's episode. Thank you, as always, for listening. If you haven't done it already, please do hit the like and subscribe buttons wherever you happen to be listening to us. And you can check out our full archive of episodes at wordpress.com where you can find access to all six of our three previous seasons, including our after-hour specials and bonus episodes. You can also find other fun bits of writing, including our Friday Film Club, where each Friday, myself and Kim both pick a film to highlight. And sometimes the theme, sometimes it's not. Either way, it's a chance for us to really talk about more movies that we love and to share them with you our wonderful listeners. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram and uh as I said wherever you happen to listen to us please do hit the like and subscribe button as it all helps raise the profile for the show. And leave us a review, leave us a review. Let us know what you think of the show as we all love to hear what uh what you think of these episodes. Uh but Kim, it is your turn to pick next so what would you like to look at?
1: Yeah, so the next one, we're actually in the same year, (laughs) Uh, 2018's 2018's also Netflix original uh, book adaptation uh, of the same name, To All the Boys I've Loved Before, which is directed by Susan Johnson.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Uh, Another first time watching myself, so that will be fun. Am I right in thinking they've done sequels to this one?
1: They have one sequel, but it's not by the same director okay um so that's why i mean we could have done a double feature if you want but we're
0: we'll see how it goes next episode yeah
1: yeah (laughs) let's see uh, let's see how you feel about the first movie and then we'll 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 talk about (laughs) further see if i made
0: it onto the second one let's see if i make it to the show at this point so made it be next week it might just be just the kim show (laughs) um but that's all coming up on our next episode. But thank you as always for listening. Thank you to my co host Kim. And we'll be back next time to check out to all the boys I've loved before. But until then, good night.